Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In this episode, my guest gave so much great insights and actual know-how, practical tips of how to most efficiently use LinkedIn, how to create the conversations that you want, how to use LinkedIn with LinkedIn Sales Navigator and why you would want to be on LinkedIn Sales Navigator, what it, how to really develop the nuances of what's working for your business. So you're going to love the conversation that we have. Founder of Pitch One to One, a done-for-you LinkedIn profile marketing agency that, after four years, now has 35 team members. As a LinkedIn trainer, she blends her sales background in agencies and tech companies with her passion for content and helping to make LinkedIn work for sales. Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast. Laura, I've been trying to get you on here for quite a while because I know that you've got lots of knowledge and experience to share. And we've, we've had lots of conversations online and you're an expert in, in this space. And so um, I'm so glad to have you on, Laura Hannon. I'm very glad to be here. Thanks <laughs> for having me. So let's start off with pitch one-to-one. And the strap line is uh, creating conversations that convert. Yep. So tell me more about this. We spent ages on this tagline when we first set up the business, which was four and a half years ago now. And it's more true today than it was then. So you know that it was worth spending the time on it when, you know, it, it's still there. And it's because what we're seeing on LinkedIn and LinkedIn's what we center most of our work around. We do a bit of email as well, but it's really LinkedIn, LinkedIn focus is that there what doesn't work is broadcasting. So if you put out a post and you're telling people go to our website or, you know, like contact me so I can pitch you or you do an inbox message, which is, hey, this is what we do. Should we have a chat? Um, it just doesn't work. You actually need to have a conversation. And so it's all about engagement, not broadcasting. And so, um, yeah, conversations off the back of post, conversations in the inbox, and then you can actually turn it into something meaningful, probably off LinkedIn, actually. Mm -hmm. That's the goal, really, isn't it? To have a proper call like this or mm -hmm. a face-to-face -face meeting. And that's when you can really get into the, um, you know, the challenges, the problems that you can solve and so on. There's a, the, another thing that I saw on, on your website, and this, I love this stat because I use it a lot when I'm uh, talking to sales leaders and, and sales teams. And it's one of those stats where they just get it because the whole sales process is focused on getting people to the close mm -hmm. and through this this funnel and so it's all focus all the energies is on acquisitions new logo closing all of that and the stat is less than five percent of your ideal customers are ready to buy today 
And 95%, I use it so much, 95%, you need to nurture a relationship in that crucial pipeline. And it turns everything on its head. It's like, why are we focusing so much on, you know, the few people that are actually ready and so little energy on creating that pipeline of relationships, possible referrers, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, building up that, that trust so that when you get to the close, it's easy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that what can happen in sales is that we don't always measure our lead gen conversions as well as we could on social media because they don't make it that easy for us. So um, you go out with a sales pitch and then occasionally people go, yeah, sure, let's have a call. You think it's working. And what you don't realize is that all of the others that have ghosted you not answered the 95% um that then you never get a chance to speak to them later because they didn't connect with you in the first place or they've disconnected because you've been pitching them in the inbox and they're not in the market for your services and i think one thing that we have to be really careful of are those silent no's because most people will not tell you that that you're annoying them they'll just ghost you and you know like if we don't know those stats of okay I sent out that message how many did you send it out to and how many said yes and you end up with a one percent then you're probably doing something wrong and and maybe causing more damage to your future pipeline than you need to and so yeah I I think it's a really important stat but also um the stat that gets me, and this has come from two different surveys. I think there was an HBR one and a Salesforce one that says that C-level execs, um, 90% of them never respond to cold outreach. And so, you know, I know for sure that on LinkedIn, you can start up conversations with C-level execs. Um, but if you approach them with a sales pitch and they're not looking into that right now, they're not going to respond at all. And then you just don't don't get a chance. So, yeah, they, they're both really quite hard hitting stats. But I think it comes back to the salesperson of measuring if I send out this kind of connection message, what percentage accept and work on your percentages, not sending more and more because you're going to run out of people eventually or annoy people that would be your brilliant strategic um, clients. And then I send out messages, what percentage reply to that message? Okay, let's change it up. Let's test it. And you'll find that there's like a magic sentence you can use on LinkedIn, which will, is usually like an open statement or question that will just get people talking about themselves. And once you get them talking about themselves, then you've got that conversation started and you can keep that going. But that's the hardest thing, isn't it, to get that that conversation going in the first place. And it's really difficult to think, what could that be if it's not? Oh, well, these are our products and services. And do you want them? You know, so you have to be a bit more creative about it. I, I think that's where the gap is, really, because I I find you can you can get a conversation because you can ask a question and someone's going to. But actually, it's that it's almost like a bridge from that kind of warming people up and getting used to the to and fro to how do we tailor it to get it more serious about without it being a sales pitch and there really is that kind of really nuanced gap between the two things to transfer it from one thing to another how do you how do you deal with that um you need to put yourself in the prospect shoes it's exactly the same principles as sales on any channel face-to-face networking or whatever and rather than saying hey i've got this product can we organize a call so i can demo that to you you say hey i've been having a look at what you're doing 
working with X, Y, and Z. I've got a few ideas, happy to share if you want to jump on a call. The end result is jumping on a call to have a chat with them about their business. But the positioning of it is they're going to get some value. You're going to help them with, you know, some ideas, some challenges that they've got. Not I'm going to have my sales agenda and you're going to be in a in a pitch or something that you're not sure you're in the market for right now. And that's that's how you open it up, even if people say, um, you know, I'm, I'm not in the market for this right now. I get them on the phone anyway, because they're not going to remember you from a LinkedIn conversation six months later. But if you've had a phone call, you've got a much better chance to stay in front of mind if you combine that with the digital, um, you know, touch points and so on. So even if they're not ready to buy right now, but you can add some value, then that is part of your lead gen process. So just blending that, you know, helping out where you can, because there's another stat and I've forgotten the percentage but it is um, something about how uh, buy, B2B buyers will buy from a percentage of the first salesperson that first added value. And yeah. you need to be that person. And LinkedIn's the perfect place for that because at the end of the day, if you can help them to frame their thinking, it's going to come back and benefit you anyway because their thinking is going to be aligned with your service offering. And also your continue um relationship building and nurturing for that six months or that year is going to be so much more tailored based on the conversation you had yeah. and the information you discovered that they gave you that you yeah. wouldn't have got if it just continued to be an online conversation yeah and it can be quite hard to keep track of those people to make sure that you don't miss their when they post or they comment and uh, or change jobs because you want to be in touch with them during all of those you know when they're active that you're there and you're supporting them and they remember you and so there's a new um if you're following somebody or connected to them there's a bell notification on linkedin and it linkedin's algorithm still decides whether they want to notify you or not so it's not perfect but it will mean that you will miss fewer of those posts going out if you're on free linkedin.com or you can be much more process led about it with sales navigator so if you've got sales navigator i've trained quite a lot of salespeople on sales navigator and very often um, it's been used as a good directory and it is a brilliant directory and you can find all sorts of people based on demographics and then um, that so few people are really using the power of sales navigator which is save those individuals save them against a list so that if you need to get rid of that targeting you can delete them as a list rather than one by one um, learn from my lesson there <laughs> and and um, then you've got this home page that alerts you on the accounts and leads that you've saved and nothing else. The thing with LinkedIn.com free is that you've got your ex-colleague, you've got your brother-in-law's post, you've got all these distractions on your homepage. Um, and it's good to do, but it's kind of like, you know, you're active and you might not be really on the stuff that will make the difference. You know, that um, uh, prospects post might not be in your feed. So using Sales Navigator in that way, where you filter by what have the leads done, filter again by lead shares, then you just get a whole list of who's posted today that you've saved. And then you never miss one. So mm -hmm. then you're commenting, you're liking, you know, maybe using that as a reason to get back into the inbox and have another conversation. Um, so yeah, the power of Sales Navigator is the insights and triggers in that um, homepage. And, you know, that's where salespeople get the value much, much more than the directory 
in my opinion. So are you saying if you're if you're a salesperson, if you're you know running a business, this this is the sweet spot of of um programs you need to have if you're targeting and you're growing your business. Yeah, and in an efficient way. Yeah, Mm. if you want to be efficient. So if you're if you've only got half an hour to spend on LinkedIn, let's make it that activity is on your prospects um, rather than you know anything else. I mean it's good to be on your own company page and on your colleagues posts commenting on that because that boosts and that helps your company's brand awareness but actually just using that home page as your to-do list your linkedin to-do list it'll tell you when there's a new decision maker it'll tell you when you're the company that you're targeting is mentioned in the news if there's some lead that you haven't saved but from a target company has viewed your profile um, somebody's viewed your proposal, um, accepted your connection request. It's got all of those alerts in it. So, um, yeah, it's a bit like um, LinkedIn by numbers, that homepage. I can see that you 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 love it, and uh, <laughs> you know I, I'm also thinking, oh, I need I need to do this better. I like, and then that's why I've got you on on this call. There's always something to learn, and you know all of the changes that are constantly going on the, the platforms. When you're yeah. you know you're you've got other focus, you're building a business. You know you've got a um, a target you need to to hit. Yeah. You know there's so many competing things. Really, yeah, it's really hard to stay. You know on on top of it all so uh so how does your business work i know that you have um the do it for you yes. and and there's you've mentioned training yep. and you know uh, there's one-to-one so ha- give me an idea of how people can interact in order to gain that great knowledge that you've got um oh well you can connect with me on linkedin that's a good place to start we can have a conversation and um, i'm always happy to help um just because I can't help myself. If I get on the phone to somebody, I'm like, oh, I've been having a look at your post. And so, um, yes, always you'll get some unsolicited advice from me, you know, whether you, whether you like it or not. So, um, yeah, that, that's probably a good place to start. Um, yeah, if, if your problem is that you're not having the time, and maybe it's a bit of time or the inclination, but mainly it's the time um, to do your profile as much as you need to, to, you know, really reach your goals. Then we have teams of, um, it's a team of three or four that would be actually on your profile with different skills, inbox handling, uh, post writing, um, putting out messages, getting the insight from what is working and what isn't. Um, we've built a platform that can help us to, just make sure that we are quick to spot if a message isn't hitting a benchmark, things to make sure that we don't miss if somebody's put a post out that we're liking that post and and those sorts of things. So our team are highly skilled. We've got more than 70 profiles that we manage. So we've got a lot of sharing of best practice. And what's wonderful to see, I was looking at our stats over the last six to 12 months. And actually, as a group, on average, we get better and better results quarter on quarter because we were sharing this best practice. So that that's quite useful. And then um, the team are telling me about trends that they're noticing. And then I'm also spending quite a lot of time looking externally from pitch one to one. So I do a weekly mastermind with other LinkedIn trainers and other LinkedIn agency owners. Um, I'm in a networking group that's very much focused on LinkedIn. And we're looking at our results collectively and seeing what's working because algorithms change and so on. So a lot of information coming from both sides just to make sure that we're um, you know, really on the edge of, of what's working right now. And that, that's the most important thing because 
if you start doing something and then everybody starts doing it, people start getting blind to it. So you need yeah. to stand out and be different. And that, that's what we aim to do. So what would you say, is, in your view, um, to what extent does the customer's experience, because you mentioned about you've got to stand in your customer's shoes, but the customer's experience, how does that impact the sales outcome? Hugely. Do you know, we about six months ago, we did a sales strategy meeting ourselves internally for Pitch One to One because um, I'm, I'm in that team. And we realized that we had a whole load of evidence of success and we just were not using it in our mm-hmm. sales. We were still quite philosophical rather than going, well, this client, a bit like you, has managed to absolutely smash it. So there's no reason why you shouldn't as well. And, you know, things like Trustpilot is really well ranked on Google. So if somebody puts in your company name, perhaps your Trustpilot comes up. Testimonials on your website. The thing we're working on at the moment um, is getting video testimonials because, um you know, if you can show evidence that clients have um, seen a lot of success with your service, then it just convinces other people. You don't need to convince them. The clients have done that. So, and it needs to be different formats, different ways, some stats, some qualitative. But if you are not giving your clients results and a good experience, then you don't have all of that. So, and how do you sell without evidence? I, I've done, like, I've worked for startups where we're trying to get the first client on board, you know, or, you know, we, it's brand new and you haven't got that. So you don't always have the, the um, ability to have that evidence. But most businesses that have been around for a while, they've got those customer stories, they've got those advocates and testimonials. And, um, you know, if you get them on board and then do a rubbish job, you won't get those. <laughs> It's a vicious circle, isn't it? Yeah. You, yeah. You've got to have a good customer experience or your business won't grow. Well, that's why it works. And I think it's really good. We do forget about, um, I'm quite, um, whoever I've, I've worked with, um, I always, always ask for testimonials. Even when they say, this is brilliant, I've learned so much, you know, maybe coming off a coaching call or a training, literally just, it's automatic. And I always put them on LinkedIn because that's, it's a good place and you can use it elsewhere on on your site. But I'm always, always amazed at how few salespeople do that. It's so easy. They just don't think, they think, well, that's maybe the company's job to do that. But actually it's about the relationship you've had and that person has said you've done a good job or this has really worked. That's the point where you yeah. actually say, well, would you mind? Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I, I remember um, doing a pitch and losing and asking that prospect, could I have a recommendation, please? Because she said, no, I had a great experience, yeah. you know, and you, you, you came a close second. And I was like, well, at least I'll get a recommendation. <laughs> so the time when somebody says no to you can actually be a great, a great opportunity. And um, I do the same as you, Janice. I, um, I add my recommendations into sales decks. And yeah. I've, um, I, I'm actually, I talk about it in my about, look at my recommendations. Yeah. But I think I might actually put it on my featured as well yeah um there's another place for recommendations on um if you're a small business you might have the providing services bit underneath your name Mm -hmm. and then you can do providing services of seo or training or whatever it is people can give you reviews on your services and um so i tested this to see well this is great maybe those five stars will come out onto my profile if i get enough of them 
it didn't it's really hidden so I've, I've stopped asking for there um but i reckon that linkedin will develop that services area so mm. it's definitely worth if you've got it you know put it put down your services and um i will let you know as soon as it starts <laughs> showing on the profile but for now i put all of them on recommendations and it's annoying it's at the bottom of your profile yeah. and you can't move it up but as you say you can do different things to make it um obvious you can even put them on your website couldn't you mm. yeah well that's what i do i copy yeah. them across the website and it, because it's you've got an original source that you can link to that they actually put it on and um yeah. Yeah, so I, I love it. Okay, so what practical strategy? You've already given us, you know, some really great tips of things that we can actually do today with the bell and, yeah. and um, testimonials. What what practical strategy would you offer listeners to enable them to scale their sales? Apart from subscribing to Sales Navigator, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the best thing that you can do to make people ask you for a meeting. That's the golden, isn't it? That's what you want, Um, is if you get connected off the back of something they've done. Hey, I saw that you did that. I saw that you were mentioning that article. I saw that post, you know, and really like what you had to say. I'd like to see more of your posts, right? So they feel like their activity has prompted it rather than I'm targeting you because you're my target market. Mm-hmm. And then to, it's not to not pretend that you're, it's not to like say that you're not a salesperson. I'm actually really proud of being a salesperson and you shouldn't ever not be the salesperson, but you can be that helpful salesperson rather than that salesperson who has a sales agenda and needs to close a deal regardless of whether that person, um, you know, is ready for you or not. And so it's all about a really smart inbox conversation that then is two way. And then when you get on a call, it's like a peer to peer call, not okay, well, pitch to me. And then you've got that terrible call that you, you know, uh, we've all had those calls, haven't we? The yeah. pitch to me calls. Whereas you want to get on the call and it's and it you're on a level. And how you do that is I've got three pillars of conversation handling. One is show interest in them. Two is mirror their style. There's something called crystal nose, which helps you to understand how people like to be talked to, which is a Chrome extension. It's quite handy, but it's as simple as if somebody's briefly writing four or five words, don't then write two paragraphs. Or you can write those two paragraphs and just delete the second half of it and let them respond. So that mirroring, even just in terms of how long your message is, um, but also the tone of voice. And then the third thing is add value uh, because um, people just hate to be sold to on LinkedIn, but they are there to do business and they are there to have conversations and find things out. And if you can show that you can add value, then you'll be able to get them off LinkedIn where you can do your brilliant um, sales call. Uh, you know, I mean, sometimes it can take a little bit to get started on the sales call, you know, Um And like very often we find when we mix LinkedIn with email, LinkedIn is much more the warm up, the much more how can I help? Here's a piece of content that might help. Email is much more business transactional. So you can be a bit more pitchy on an email. So, yeah, get those conversations going, warm people up, be good help them out and then actually if you don't move it onto a call on, on LinkedIn don't worry send them an email and say hey you know I really like what you're doing about this um 
it might be worth us chatting about X, Y, and Z and, and set up the call that way. The combination of the two, much more powerful than one or the other, we find. Mm. I think that, you know, being um, multi-platform, multi-touch point, but it mm. all depends on your customer as to yeah, where they, where they are. To play. <laughs> but I really like that idea. I thought Crystal Nose had been taken off, actually, because I love that. I thought it was brilliant. If it was, it's back. <laughs> oh, is it back? All right. Oh, fantastic. That is a really good tip. I'm glad it's back because I loved it. No, it's 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 absolutely great, and um, I think you only you only get a few free goes, and then it's right. about forty dollars a month. But right. if you're doing a lot of that conversation handling, money well spent, I'd say. Usually, ask my guests about diversity in sales, and I, uh, not men and women, but because we're both women in sales, we've got a long history of uh, <laughs> being in sales, of being the only in in sales. So I'd really like your perspective on, you know, the way the industries change, what's what's work is still be, to be done, if you feel that there is. Um, what's your perspective on diversity in the B2B sales industry? It's so hard to view this because as you get the years under your belt and um, the people that you know are sort of also more mature and senior and... I actually think that at a high level of sales, the the diversity is quite good. It's about what's happening with the sort of younger salespeople coming into into it. And I am not that convinced that very much has changed. I might be wrong on this, but I still think that there's a problem with um, the impression of sales and you know there's a bit of a stigma in sales itself and you know it's um and i i know we're talking about diversity in sales but actually um that there is that problem with the perception of a salesperson isn't there like i mean i if anybody's got sales on their linkedin profile i'd tell them to change it to something a bit more subtle because nobody wants to speak to a salesperson and how awful is that because actually you know it it's a skill and it's a brilliant life skill. If you ever want to set up your own business, if you don't have sales skills, you're going to really struggle. And it also, um, you can have n- no qualifications. Maybe that's the problem because of the low bar to entry, but um, you can make a lot of money in sales. So um, I would actually, I think it actually comes down to schools and early career choices because nearly everybody you speak to who's a senior salesperson fell into sales and I think it's probably the same and I think the way that we can improve diversity across those sales teams so that you're not the you know you're not the the only one and every yeah anyway um I I don't really want to go back back to those times because they weren't always very much fun you know it was quite aggressive um uh you know sort of people sort of boasting about their targets and you didn't ever feel like you could show any vulnerability and I don't think that it's probably changed a huge amount you know, long hours as well you know I mean it makes it impossible for working mums for example because you have to stay late to get that deal or do that pitch or whatever and I, I speak to a lot of agency salespeople and they're still having to, you know, they're not given the operational resource. It's not prioritized. So they're still having to do late nights and things like that to get pictures done. So it's not changed as much as we'd like, really. I think what probably is is changing it 
um, for the better is the awareness of mental health as much as anything. You know, that um, you, we can be under a lot of pressure and, you know, for um, leaders of businesses to understand that that's not that cool anymore. Um, I think that that helps. But I, I really think that I would be happy to get involved. And if anybody listening um, has any solutions for this, I want the message to go to people who are looking into their first, second role to see sales as a life skill, something that you can be really good at and that you have to work. On. I still work on it. I'm still reading books, you know, and it never stops. You forget something, something evolves. So um, I just think it's a brilliant career and uh, we should encourage more people to do it and I think that won't solve the diversity problem completely of course it won't but it'll help I think it'll go some way towards that I think you've made a really great point about the stigma in uh, sales I mean I certainly felt that when I I worked in sales you know people putting their their nose up up to you really and I really love that it accelerated my learning and experience in that I was getting into companies, I was getting into the minds of people and really understanding what their motivations were, whether they're a CEO for a company or an executive or whatever level. How often do you get that amount of exposure into different industries? And it is the shortcut to you know running your own company or being you know in senior leadership but being quota carrying. But there is the the other side in terms of one one of the campaigns that I have in terms of the words and the language and you're all about communication target killer hunter. I mean, are we on safari here? Really, you know. But I think it's just a, a disrespectful language, not only for the people within the sales industry, but certainly for their customers to be considered targets. Yes. I mean, that's horrendous. And I would like to see that language removed from the sales industry yeah that's one of one of my campaigns but I think you're absolutely right I love what you said about starting at an educational level because often I think people women in particular are discouraged from going down that line that you know for because of this old view of what sales is that oh that won't be for you it's too you know kind of macho so at pitch one-to-one we call um the leads or the targets, we call them fans. Mm -hmm. So that stands for your future advocacy network. So you treat everybody at the point of them being a lead as somebody who will in the future advocate you, your company, your services, either from a customer perspective, a referral perspective, and that helps you to treat everybody nicely. Because if they're a lead, they're disposable. Whereas if they're a fan, they're going to be around for a long time and you've got to be good to them. And the psychology of sales is so important. Just mm-hmm. words are power. Words yeah. really make a difference. And I, I love that. I might actually steal it from you. Right? Do. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to be quoting uh, that one uh, a lot. I, I absolutely love that. And I, it puts you in a completely different mindset around yeah. what you're doing, the, the value you're putting into what you're doing, and the impact on other people to mm. deliver their goals and, and what they want to achieve. I love that fan. Brilliant. <laughs> All right. So let me ask you, who is your Shiro? So there's a lady that I have worked with um, who set up a company called Cara Connect. Her name is Theobjorg Helga, and she was a politician. 
and she saw a problem that um, students in education were not getting, it was actually speech therapy if they lived in remote parts of Iceland. And so she built a technology and an agency of speech therapists so that more people could get, um, she wasn't solving it as a politician, so she solved it as a tech entrepreneur and a service agency. And so she's taken that um, technology so that she can then go out to all therapists of all kinds to create um, a, a platform for remote um, therapy. And um, having worked with her for the last four years, I get so much out of every conversation because, you know, she's a tech entrepreneur that has come from a real desire to help people. You know, I just think that's that's absolutely fantastic. And that's what the best businesses are built on. Um, and she um, she's a solopreneur building up this company. And she's made me aware of how difficult it is to raise funds as a female. And she's done it. She announced this week that she has raised six million funding so she can then go into this this next um, period of growth. She works so hard. She has relocated her whole family twice in order to, you know, um, build this company. And yeah, I I can't think of anybody else that I look up to um, more in that. um, Yeah, there's more to it. But that's Look, I'm sure she'd love to connect with you. <laughs> uh, well, do you know what? I was uh, thinking I'm on an accelerator program helping um, tech founders, often been in business for two, four years, um, but looking for um, not not uh, seed, but, you know, kind of stage one, series A funding. And one in particular, I'm going to put in contact with her because it seems like this is a model that they're following. And it's it's very difficult for people in business and particularly women to see other role models mm-hmm. that have actually done it um, yeah. um, before. And yeah, I, I'm certainly going to be um, looking her up because it's absolutely um, fantastic. But I've spoken to a few women. One percent of venture capital funding goes to female owned women owned businesses. One percent. So and they're the lower right. risk. They're the more, most successful and lower risk. So what does that tell you? And this, we've just got such a long way to go. It is very yeah. frustrating, yeah. very frustrating. But let's leave on a, on a positive note. How can <laughs> listeners get hold of you? Uh, well, I'm always on LinkedIn, funnily enough. Um, so, yes, you can you can look for me, Laura Hannon, Laura Hannon Sales on um, on LinkedIn. And I am on email all the time also. So laura.hannon, and it's H-A-N-N-A-N, at pitch one-to-one, which are numbers. I'm sure it'll be included in the uh, in the footnotes, um, dot com. So laura.hannon at pitch one-to-one dot com. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and knowledge and experience. I absolutely love talking to you. And I know that listeners are going to get so much out of it. They'll be contacting you saying, Anna, how, I mean, Laura, how can I do this? Um, and I'm certainly going to be, um, you know, there's a few things that I need to talk to you about offline. So absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure having you on Scale Yourselves podcast. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks, Janice. <laughs> you for listening to this week's episode of scale your sales podcast if you like this discussion feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on youtube 
and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.